drink cinema. Jeez. Welcome to another episode of Two Drinks Cinema. We are two brothers reviewing movies two drinks at a time. I am Lee. I am not Lee. He's Brett. And we are reviewing... I'm reviewer number two. We don't have names in this. No, we don't have names in this. We, I'm reviewer number one, or the foreman reviewer. Yeah. And you are reviewer number two. I'm the angry guy. Are you angry by default, like so many men in this jury room, or we'll talk about that later? I am, I am angry at things, but not because of race. It is 12 Angry Men, that's what we are talking about, and you should have known that from the title. We're not one of those podcasts that tries to make you guess what it is. We put it in the title. Yes. The title is literally Review 12 Angry Men. Yes. That's what we're reviewing, and we have a drink. We do have a drink. As always, and I... Full disclosure, we're recording this on the same day as I've drunk three Fern Gullies now. Okay. So I um, this is the most serious movie that we've reviewed. You think it's more serious than The Godfather? And I'm second most drunk of any. Oh, right. This will be fun then. Reviewed. So the, the cocktail that I discovered has ice, which we like. Yeah. It doesn't need ice, but I just like the sound of yeah. it. Um, and, oh, it's bloody hot and this yeah. fan's not working. Yes. Um, it is called A Reasonable Doubt. Okay. Of which Henry Fonda has a few. Yes. And then by the end of it, everybody has. Except one guy. Except one guy. He's just like, I fucking had enough of this. He's just like, I had a fucking baseball game to go to. Um, so it's whiskey, Cointreau yep. and lime. Okay. So cheers. Cheers. I took a sip right from the bit where oh. you rubbed the lime on the rim. <laughs> it's sour. Oh. Interesting. It's sharp. It is sharp, almost like a knife. Yes. A knife with a wavy blade. Yeah. Of which and Henry Fonda brings to a court. Six dollar handle. Yeah. Yeah, this is um pre twenty what two thousand one. This is pre when they Metal, metal detectors, everything. yeah. Um, yeah, no metal detectors in the courtroom foyer, but the security guards are very insistent that people are quiet. Right. Do you want some lemonade in it? They need something else. Go and get the lemonade. Nah, it's all right. Okay. Um, I'll just sip on it. Just whiskey and Cointreau, a squeeze of lime, shooken, and poured over ice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and you did rim the glass with lime, a bit of it, and I happened to sip from that bit first. Yes, it is quite tart. I think it needs a lemonade. It needs something sweet in it, or maybe more Cointreau, because the I couldn't get find the lemonade. Okay, I couldn't find a recipe. Um, I could only find the ingredients, so I've kind of just made it up, um, and gone with. Similar ratios to that of the Godfather cocktail, but with different um, ingredients. Um, Lee's had to chuck in some lemonade. Well, I think it would just make a big difference. Yeah, that's drinkable now. Well, that's good. I have reasonable doubts over whether that's a real cocktail to begin with. Well, we just made it up, whatever. I was hoping that I was I was looking up and it was, it was hard to find a cocktail. Well, they don't drink in the movie. They don't drink Spoiler in the movie. Spoiler of that. A score. Um, and I was like, can I just pretend that one of the jurors' names is Tom Collins? Or, you know, <laughs> or like Arnold Palmer or something. I think this one called A Reasonable Doubt is a good one. I think with Lemonade, it's good. Yeah. That's much more palatable. Yeah. So we're going to go, what did we go? One shot Jamison, one shot Cointreau, no, 90 I was, mils. I of... was trying to go with one and one and a half whiskey, one Cointreau, then okay. just some lime juice. So one and a half, uh, one whiskey. One and a half one whiskey. One and a half Cointreau? No. Okay, fuck. 
one and a half whiskey. Yep. One Cointreau. Yep. Lime juice, and then just put in some lemonade as you like. Okay. Because I got to write this down because you made it up, and I got to put on the socials. One and a half. One lime juice. That's it. And then, so we'll go lemonade if you like. Forty-five mils whiskey, thirty mils Cointreau, ninety mils lemonade, lime juice. Sure. The yeah, like I was saying, the security guard is very insistent that people are quiet outside the courtroom, but they didn't seem to notice that one of the jurors brought in a knife. Yeah, but I think it also also might be because the judge was fucking over it by that point. Yeah. He seemed so bored. It was just like, I remind you that this is murder. Premeditated but murder is the biggest thing in our jurial system. That was good to set up the things of the movie. Yeah. Reasonable doubt has to be unanimous, and it's the death penalty. Yep. Those are the three main things that they debate in the room. So that first two or so minutes um, is the only actual courtroom scene. And like you yes. said, there's about three minutes that isn't in the jury room. Yep. Uh, and that one, the one minute is in the end outside where the old man talks to Henry Fonda and the only names we know. I liked that the jury room has a wardrobe because yeah. in the 50s, men wore coats men wore and hats. Coats. And even if they were just wearing a polo shirt with a tie, they still had to have <laughs> a shirt and tie. <laughs> have to have a tie. It's like the members at the MCG. Yeah, it's like the MCC members go, it's a collar. It's a collar. It's whatever. a collar. Yeah. It's on my... Um, Shirt that I play cricket with on a Saturday afternoon for Melton. Yeah. But it's a collar. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I liked that they did like the introduction thing then as they were going in the jury room. That's when the credits were. Yeah. I liked that it wasn't at the start and then they did it. Ed Begley Sr. looks like Ed Begley Jr. Yeah. Actually, which wait, which one was Ed Begley? The old racist man? Well, one of the old racist men? I think so. Ed Begley's the like, one that looks like Ed Begley. He looked like Gary Marshall to me. Really? And I was just like, that's Gary Marshall, but it wasn't Gary Marshall. No, there was, was someone, I don't know if it was him or another one, that just looked like Gary Marshall was off-putting. It's overall, I can see why it has a hundred on Rotten Tomatoes. Because in terms of a script and in terms of a story, it's very good at setting everything up and following through on everything. Uh, And the tension as they get angrier and go back and forth is very well done. There's no weak actors, maybe except for the judge, who maybe as a judge but also as an actor couldn't be bothered that day. Yeah, The, The 12 men even though I've only heard of one of them and one of their sons, are very good actors. Yeah. And so it does well. After they've all come in and they've all put their little coats on the, in the wardrobe, it does very well in that general conversation at setting up the differences of the characters and the traits yes. of each of the men. Yeah. So there's the super confident one, that the... Ad guy, who's confident oh, yeah. and a bit of flog, really. Yeah, yeah. There's the guy that's angry from the start, even before they debate anything to do with the case. Yes, he's just angry. The angry guy. The young guy, the shy guy, the emotional guy, the guy that's all about the facts. Yeah, the dickhead. the foreman. He was so annoying. Henry Fonda doesn't say anything. Yeah. Until it's time, obviously he's the deeper thinker because he's looking out the window. He's the nice guy. So it, d- it does very well at. Um, setting everyone up and setting up that that guy in the hat that sits at the foot of the table is difficult. Yeah. From the start. I think it does well. It has like almost like the characters and their traits and then there's the opposite of them. So it's like Henry Fonda is the nice guy and then Lee J. Cobb who's juror number three, Yes, is the complete opposite. He's just a nasty, and angry man. He's what Henry Fonda calls a sadist. Yeah. And then there's the fact guy, yeah. and then there's the just kind of goes on emotion guy. Yeah. Opposite each other. 
and the foreman keeps trying to keep everything in control and then the other guy's just, oh, let's just do it, let's just do it, i got shit to do. The man in the hat with the baseball team. Yes, during number seven. Another Chicago movie. Yes, I've watched a lot of Chicago things lately. Yeah, you ER, watch a lot of ER. That um, happy ending sitcom we're watching at the that moment. That happy ending sitcom. This, um, the Blues Brothers. Blues Brothers, Home Alone is in Illinois, which is Chicago. And they fly out of Chicago O'Hare to two yep. different places without their son. Yep. The I went a little bit... I'm surprised I've never heard of an English class studying this film. You've never heard... I think in America they do. Like, I have... Like, I know a lot of VC English teachers and I've tutored a number of students in VC English... And this has never come up. There were four years where the main theme of VC English was conflict. And this movie oh, didn't come up. Yeah, well, that's just stupid. But it, like themes, I wrote big theme headings. Prejudice, opinion, facts, and rationality. And stubbornness of the stubbornness of men. Oh, men. Yeah, ugh. I was, it was interesting. I was trying to think, and I think I read somewhere on the um, internet. About like if you were if you were redoing it now and remaking it as a modern thing, people are like, oh, who would you do it? Who could you? You wouldn't have twelve men, no, because obviously. Well, if you're in the Facebook comment section, your response to that would be, Ugh, you wouldn't have twelve men because someone has to identify something else. Well, more that juries are. No, I know, yeah. but like, yeah, okay. The way the Facebook comment section goes. Oh, is right. they'd use that to have a dig at yes, representation. Okay. Yep. Even though juries are representative now. Yes. Because the world has changed since 1957. I also don't think you could make it because Gil Grissom would just close this case. Unless there was a shit lawyer. True. That didn't ask the right questions. Like, do you wear glasses to bed, madam? Yeah, but also like... There was no fingerprints on the knife. Fingerprints were new in the 50s. Yeah. But if you've watched any CSI or any crime, even in Blue Heelers, they had more than fingerprints. Yeah. There would be other trace evidence. There would be security camera footage of his go- him going into the theatre. Well, not in the 50s. No, no, but if you remade it now. Oh, okay. There'd be security camera footage of him going into the thing. They'd be able... You'd be able to, in the court, play the level of noise of an L train. Mm. You could remake it, but it would have to be a different case and the evidence would have to be different. You could still make it because this, these themes of prejudice and opinion and selfishness and stubbornness are still very relevant. And that's one of the notes that I wrote. Like hip, the guy that's always like one of them. And he grew up in a slum, and everyone in a yeah. slum is a killer. Like there was that's a lot still of that relevant. One of them, yeah. You know what they're like, those people. And that's people, like that. People still say that, he and so that is still relevant. He don't even speak good English. No, and it's the foreigner. The foreigner, because he doesn't speak good. The guy English. that he then later says comes here and tries to run things. Yeah, corrects his English. There are three angry men from. Number one. Yeah. From go, from the go. From the go. Juror number three. Juror number three. Juror number seven and juror number ten. Uh, no. Yeah, ten is racist and angry. Three is just angry. And then... And seven has the, the baseball the tickets. The, the guy yeah. in the hat. Um, The other thing that is still relevant now is old men saying kids these days have no respect. Yeah. Like, they're still kids these days. Like, okay, boomer. Yeah, we get it. These boomers now have kids that are boomers. Boomers now have kids that are boomers. The guys in 12 Angry Men are a boomer age, but their kids are now boomers. Because that's when the baby boom was in the 40s and 50s. Okay, yeah. Okay? Yeah, that doesn't make sense. That's a different generation. No, no, they're not actually boomers, but they have the traits of that are now traits of boomers. And I'm saying that 
people still say. Like, boomers now, right, yeah. are old people. Yeah. Yeah. Old people in the 50s are saying the same things boomers are saying now. Okay, right. So it's not kids aren't the issues. Boomers are the issue. All right. Old people are the issue okay. is what I'm saying. Right. Okay? Do you get that? It doesn't matter what when you were born, when you reach a certain age, you're always going to be the like, problem. ugh, kids these days. Boomer is going to be a transitive thing. So just old people will be called boomers. When we're old and complaining about the youth, yeah. people could still say to us, okay, boomer. Yeah. I don't get why these guys are just so angry and unreasonable from the start. Well, because they've been in this trial for six days. Yeah, but they're just angry. And it's a kid. It's the kids. The kids and the foreigners come in and they killed him. So just get on with it. Slum kids. I think... Well, that's the thing that the movie does and the story does as well. They don't give you a lot of um, obvious backstory to anyone's... Yes, you know, upbringing. Which you wouldn't get as a juror of your fellow juror. Yeah, yeah. So you don't go in going, oh, well, this guy's going to be angry because he doesn't like knives. Or, you know, like yeah, yeah. this guy's going to be angry because he's racist. I think it's like that lack of backstory together with the lack of name is very good. Because it's not the the names and the identity of the people aren't important. the The thing is the discussion as a jury and the decision that they have to reach is the point of the movie. Yeah, and so that taking out the names and taking out the backstories is very good and very well done. I I said other films and most films these days. Okay, Boomer. Would be that the heroism of Fonda, because he was ranked hero in the AFI list. Yeah. The heroism of this is like, we can see that he's done a good thing because there is reasonable doubt, not the cocktail, the legal term, around this case. But the other 11 angry men couldn't see it. He convinced them to see it. That's a good thing for our justice system. Yes. If the movie was made now, or a lot of other courtroom movies, is we would for half an hour, 45 minutes, see the case. Yes. But we would know as an audience that he's not guilty. And we would have the thing of kind of be making our own decision. Yeah. and so Unless the... they make it like that making a murder documentary and make it so no matter what happened, he looked innocent. Yeah. Or, so what would happen is the tension would come from us knowing he's not guilty and Henry Fonda trying to convince everyone else he's not guilty. Yeah. And then we'd be like, oh my God, if he doesn't convince them, then an innocent man's going to die. We don't know still if he's innocent or guilty. Mm. So what, what Henry Fonda is saving is not... The, the kid, the kid, but the he's saving the justice, justice system. system, and that is the main character of the um, film. Is the main the character is that woman system. with the scales and the blindfold. Yeah, her and Henry Lady Fonda justice saved her. Yeah, movie done. Sold. Done. There you go. Trivia. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've written suppose versus suppose. Suppose, suppose. Moses supposes. Yeah. Tells us. Yeah. Moses yeah. supposes. Patreon.com forward slash two drink cinema for a sing in the rain episode comes out next month. The what what I just realized that means is that the reasonable doubt comes from Henry Fonda supposes that he couldn't have heard the scream. Yeah. But juror number three supposes he could have. Yes. And so if you've got two people supposing opposite things, yeah. that's doubt. It's possible. Yeah. He says it so many times. It's possible. It's possible. Do you really think that this, 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 it's possible? Yeah. And even Henry Fonda from the start is like, I don't know if he's innocent or guilty. Mm. And I think that just, that sets up straight away that there is, that it's reasonable doubt that Henry Fonda is 
going on. Yes, that's all what it is about. Um, yes. The reasonable doubt, hence the cocktail. The oh, the ad man is a flog. I've already said that. The, the guy ad man's with the hat's a flog. An asshole. The guy is an asshole. Number three is just an angry man. Number four was so annoying to me. The one with the weird glasses that's always just like, no, these are the facts. Number one. I'm like, shut up. That's deliberate that all the facts are there. Yeah. But he was so, it was just so frustrating. What I found frustrating a little bit more towards the end, and I, thinking back, I think it was done on purpose. So you as an audience member increase in frustration across the movie was any time a not guilty person is trying to make a point, it takes them forever. Like old man is going, do you wear glasses? Yeah. Why are you scratching your nose? And like, what is, where is this going? Get yeah. to the point. Yeah. How quickly do you think this man walks from his bed to the door? What's your point? What's your point? I think that that frustrated me a little bit, but I it's think it's to, deliberate. To build attention. Yes, for the audience as well as for the people. Yes. Uh, and the people. Juror number three takes it so personally when someone changes from guilty to not guilty. And it's just like, what's the big idea? Yeah, How dare every time. You? Every it's time like, he says the same thing. What's like, the big idea? It's like his son or whoever or whatever got killed. Well, at the end, I think his son did get killed. The yeah, photo. The photo. Yeah. Not guilty. But it's also an interesting look at what is strength. So you think that he's like all, number three is all loud and boisterous and he's a tough man and a tough guy, yes. blah, blah, blah. But uh, Henry Fonda's the only one who is strong in his convictions. And juror number old or, man next to him yeah. goes along with him because of that strength. Yeah. Yes. Ad man is strong in being a flog. Ad man is strong at drawing boxes of rice bubbles. I wrote one of them a lot of times. So did I because that number 10, number 10 has that big speech where yeah. he stands and I was like, oh, this is so uncomfortable. Well, that... That felt a little odd to me. The speech was very good and it was very good that it was in the movie and it makes the very good point. But the way they kind of walked away from him mm. was a little bit stage play for me. A little bit. And then it's like not all of them would because no. some people said similar things. Yeah, but by then they were, they were a little bit changed. Yeah. He was the only one still going on the one of them yeah. bandwagon. But then as soon as he finished, they went and sat back down. Yeah. That was a little bit of an odd directorial decision for me. Because personal prejudice shouldn't go into account. No, it shouldn't. Yes. And it's interesting that they sat him next to the person of another race. Yes, deliberately. And directly across from the one of them person in, who grew up in the slum. Yeah. Um, speaking of direct... Dorial. Yes. There were some shots that were a bit strange. Mm. Like very close up of the old man. Yeah. Like when he was like, I changed my vote. And it was just like, it was creep. It was almost creepy. There were some full on close ups when people were saying they're guilties and not guilties too. Yeah. But I think that's, I think that's just highlighting who it is. Yeah. And, because you don't have names, and they don't often say their numbers, you just kind of go by their seating. Yeah. And it's clever at the start to say, let's sit in order. Yeah. And so... It helps you, you remember who, what, number, who, what number's who. Yeah. Because I was like, do you remember one, one two, two, three? Four. <laughs> he was... <laughs> the, um, yeah, so the close-ups on the people when they say stuff, make sure you know that this is the person that's changed their mind. Mm-hmm. Um, then that guy with the annoying voice. Ugh. Which one? The one that talked like this? Oh, yeah, the, the jury number two. Yeah. The I've never been on a jury before. Shy because no, your balls haven't dropped yet. Weakling one. How's the smoking? 
Yeah, great. Like during one scene, juror number four finishes and lights the next cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> like he's literally chain smoking in a jury room on cinema. Yes. And now, like they're not even now we get a warning on Apple TV Plus if they're smoking in an episode of something. Yeah. How um, the world has changed. This movie, there's no drinking in it. No. Unfortunately. But that's the one thing you couldn't bring into a jury room, apparently. Alcohol, cigarettes and knives are fine. Yeah. Alcohol, no. Cigarettes, knives, no problem. But you could do drinking games with this. Every time they say one of them. Every time they say one of them or every time somebody changes their thing or every time that guy references baseball and not just the game, but then like, oh, we're going into extra innings. Yep. And da, 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 da. Surely every time someone changes their thing, you got to finish your drink. you got to no, finish your that's drink. That's 11 drinks. That's a lot of drinks <laughs> in an hour. What It was like less than two hour movie. It's a... Uh... I'd I'd made myself an intermission of 45 minutes and there was 50 minutes to go. So it's a 95-minute movie. Um, Yeah, it's not a long movie. 11 drinks. But it's only finish your drink. You could be sipping. Yeah. And then finish what's left. Did you do that maths, right? 45 and 50 is 95, which is an hour and 35. Yeah, sorry. I don't know why that was weird. Anyway. My maths is good on numbers, not on years. Yeah. So this movie is 65 years old. Yes. Okay. Good. I got that right. One thing I found interesting is at the start, they all kind of gang up on Henry Fonda, but not very much. They're just like, well, come on, prove us, change our minds. Whereas at the end, when juror number three is the only one still saying guilty, yeah, they full stare him down. It's interesting kind of peer pressure. Yeah. Considering earlier when uh, earlier the guy with the hat at the foot of the table was like, oh, let's get this over with. I'm not guilty. They're like, you can't just say not guilty because the rest of us are. Yeah. But then other before when they changed to not guilty earlier on. And like juror number three went up to them and said, why did you change your vote? They're like, I don't have to defend myself to you. Yeah. That I found interesting. That's almost like we got to kind of wrap this up now. Well, that's what I felt about the end. Like just the whole like Lee J. Cobb, juror number three, he does his big, oh, my kid and this speech and then gets upset and just like, oh, not guilty. Like, I feel like... Well, I don't know if you'd change your mind. He realised why he was holding on to guilty. Because it was a kid. Because it was... Rem- that reminded him of his of, son. Yeah. And then he was just like, oh, fine. But he... And what you talked about, strength, is that thing of a man changing his mind is not strength. No. And so for him to be, for an hour and a half, so vehement on guilty, for him to then suddenly be not guilty is a weakness to him. Yes. And so I think that's why he holds on to it so strongly. And that's why it takes him kind of breaking down, remember his son and getting so emotional before he realises that he's made a mistake. And it's almost weird at the end, they don't need like some official final vote. Yeah, and they just goes, know now. Oh, not guilty. Okay, bye. Yeah, Gotta and go. then they all just walk out. Yeah, luckily it stopped raining. Uh, the weather is an interesting by-play. That's not the word I want. Back-play is not the word I want either. Like in the background, the heat is increasing. Yes. And I think as the people turn... The, the weather, weather turns, turns. Okay. but it's a storm which is still very tense. Yes. And then it stopped raining and then he cries and then they leave. Yeah. They, I assume, go back into the courtroom to give the verdict. I I would assume so as well. Yeah. They yeah. don't just walk out past the guy and go, oh, not guilty. See ya. Not guilty. Bye. Got to go watch the baseball. Which could be back on because now it's not raining. Yeah. Which is the Yankees and the... Yankees and the Sox. Yeah, why not? White socks, I sure. guess. Whatever. And then there's a guy that is also a football coach. 
There is a guy that's a football coach. One of the jurors is a football oh, coach. Yes. It's um, it's good. I actually think it's very good. It is very good. It's very well written and it's very well acted and it's very well directed, even if there were a couple of shots that were a bit weird. Yeah. And it was very obvious when the guy stood at the side of the sink to wash his hands that it was doing it so he could face the camera in the toilets at one point. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, why wouldn't he stand in front of the sink? Oh, because then we just see his back. Yeah. Um, but that's a minor thing. There was another... Really? There was another thing as well. One of the jurors, I think initially at the start, when they were all going around saying why they voted guilty, yeah, and they were trying to convince Henry Fonda to change his vote. Um, that and he was kind of it was like looking at the camera when he was talking, but I think that's because he was opposite juror number eight, oh, so he was I- like looking at him. So the camera was almost like from um, Henry Fonda's point of view. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Which I thought was either clever or kind of annoying. I didn't notice that particularly. Yeah. But I get what you're saying. It's... They fucking... God. Are they, I reckon they'd still be there if Lee J. Cobb didn't put his foot in his mouth. That was very well at, done. At least multiple... Like... Two or three times. Oh, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill oh. you. He's what was like. He's an old man. How could he be positive of anything? And you're like, exactly, exactly. dickhead. But he, those two, he does realise um, that, that, that that's what's happened. Yeah. And I think Henry Fonda should be the kid's lawyer. Yeah, he was a better lawyer than the lawyer. And he's going to make more money, probably not as a public defender, which is what the kid got. Yeah. More lawyer than more money than as an architect. Yeah. He's very clever, Henry Fonda. He's a very smart man. Lucky they had the floor plan of the apartment. Yeah. With as many feet as it is. Yeah, and it was like apparently the it was kind of the same size as a jury room, which is a bit depressing. <laughs> it's a, it's a sl- slum apartment though. Mm. Yeah. Right next to the train, which I agree would be loud. I wouldn't hear a neighbour scream over an L train. Nah. I've been on an L train. Good. Well, if you think about it, the apartment is the size of um, Jake Blue's apartment or Elwood Blue's. No, the there hotel was multiple room. rooms. Yeah. but Well, okay then. The noise of the train. Yes. Yeah. No one's hearing anything except Carrie Fisher shooting a rocket launcher. Yeah. And even then, that didn't get much attention. No. Knocked down the whole building. But um, the L train still stood. And it would have been louder than trains are now because old. Old rickety rackety. Yeah. Yes. I didn't ride a lot more. Neither did I. I thought it was a good build up of, they build up the tension with the weather and yep. the sweating. Yep. And the sweat stains. And the guy that doesn't sweat until he's wrong. Then yeah, he sweats. Then he sweats. And he pinches his nose and then that's it. Story over. As a yeah, as a film study, I think it's very good because it does things like, Do you don't you ever sweat? And then that comes up later. Yeah. And then, you know, they've put the extra depth of character in in amongst the story and the dialogue. Um rather than in what I hate as exposition. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of that over-explained obviousness. No, there wasn't. Which is good. What else is still relevant is that people are unwilling to move on their opinion. Yeah. Like, and I mentioned Facebook comments earlier. Uh, That is an example of that. People have their opinions and no matter how much evidence or doubt someone presents to them, they are very unwilling to change it. You almost couldn't remake it. You're going to say because it's so iconic? No, because of the because of the story and you have to have the characters are all the same. You know what I mean? And it's like, like you said before, if you rewrote it now, you'd have to change what the evidence is because 
really the evidence in the thing would have been able to be thrown out. I think, yeah, I think they could remake it, but they'd have to do it a little bit more like rear window to Disturbia, not okay. like rear window to rear window. Yeah. So yeah, instead yeah. of him having a zoom camera in rear window, he's got he's got a camcorder. Uh, camcorder or he's got a binoculars or am I thinking of that episode of The Simpsons? But like he's got modern shit. He's got night vision yeah, yeah, goggles yeah. in Disturbia or whatever. Yeah. Um so you'd have to do it more like that. You'd have to somehow come up with a case where there's legitimate immovable evidence, but there's still the questionability of eyewitness testimony as a big hinge point of the whole case yeah which they can do because they do that all the time in tv shows in law and order and yeah csi and all of that yeah you could do it and they got some good diversity amongst these 12 men like there's one that grew up poor there's the ad man there's the angry man there's an immigrant there's old there's young yeah there's educated and there's less educated so you could do that with different ethnicities and different genders and different all sorts of things. Yeah. So I think it could be remade. Yeah. I think it's one where a lot of people were like, oh, we can't remake it. It's a perfect movie. Well, there's that as well. Yeah. You'd be brave to remake it. Which is why I think you'd do you it. You wouldn't in a, remake it. You'd, you'd do it in a disturbier way. Yeah. You wouldn't make 12 Angry Men now. You'd have to call it something totally different. There is apparently the no, a 1997 version but I can't find really anything about it. It's probably a TV thing. Is a made-for-television drama, yes, directed by William Friedkin, adapted by Reginald Rose from his original 1954 teleplay of the same name. Oh. It is a remake of the 1957 film of the same name. Jack Lemmon plays... Oh, yeah, that's good casting. Um, Juror number eight. Uh, the only other name I know in there, James Gandolfini, plays Jurat number six, a house painter, patient and respectful of others' opinions. Oh. He sits at the right arm of the man with the hat, who is played by Tony Danza. Oh, God. George C. Scott. Shouldn't he be in charge then? No. He's not the foreman. Not the boss. Uh, speaking of an almost perfect movie, we're going to do some Google reviews and then we're going to do trivia and then we're going to do the Chad S. Minquo after this. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Two Drink Cinema. If you'd like to support us further, head over to patreon.com slash twodrinkcinema. As a patron, you gain access to exclusive bonus episodes and can contribute to the making of Two Drink Cinema. The support of our patrons can help us go from a D-grade flop to a box office blockbuster. Patreon.com forward slash twodrinkcinema. Cheers. Google reviews. Are you do You're doing fives. Yeah. I'm doing ones. I'm going to do a couple of ones... First, because people tried to be clever, but we're idiots. Like, all the reasons I hate this movie, this guy's trying to be funny. Let me know if you think he is. One, either the director was trying to solve racism or the editor forgot to add colour to the film. Either way, sloppy work. That makes no sense. Two, an all-female remake, 12 Angry Women, hasn't been made yet. Three, the movie is offensive to blind people as they cannot see it. Four, all the actors are dead, SMH. Five, it is clear that birds aren't real and the earth is flat, but this movie doesn't make a point of that. This is dumb. Six, being angry isn't good. These people need to find God. If they don't, they will burn in hell. Fuck. All these points apart, please don't watch it. When my 18-year-old son found out that he could get away with murder, he just went out on the street and started stabbing people left and right. I tried to stop him, which is why I'm typing this from the hospital. Oh, okay. Stupid, man. All right. Stupid, stupid. I'll give you a five star. Um, one very simple one. 
this guy gave it one star because I had to do an assignment on this. Yeah. <laughs> five stars. Five stars. Many, yeah. many more five stars. Yes. Many, many more valuable five-star reviews. I am not fans of uncolored movie. Everyone in my family laughed at me so much if I watch black and white movie. It is not a typical style of what Southeast Asian people will go for. Not until I was 29 or 30 years old, back in 2017, where I still lived in the Netherlands and attended a community group and discussed about black and white movie. I am amazed so many young generations about my age or younger like it and discussed so many titles that I have no idea what's it about. I could not contribute anyway, so someone referred me this title. Sadly, the entire <laughs> movie mostly about discussions. If someone's prefer action than too much conversations, I bet they won't like it. Anyway, for me, this movie's storyline is awesome. I don't regret watching it at all. I am so amazed how one person can change everyone's mind despite so many rejections against the young boy pleading him guilty. Since then, I changed my mind about black and white movies. Oh, so he went from guilty to not guilty. Yeah. <laughs> Going through these five stars review, it's crazy um, how much, how many of them have that like, oh, I don't usually, I don't watch black and white movies. Yes. Um, like this one starts, the movie was good, very good. The filming in black and white was a great choice. This one is, I still regret that I was so late to watch this gem, mainly because I was reluctant to watch B&W movies. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, it's a very good this film. This film was released in 1957 and is more timely than just about anything I've seen in the last couple of years. It's been on my to-watch list for quite a long time. I don't know what compelled me to watch it today. The slow burn nature of the film is mesmerizing, something you rarely see anymore except maybe in an Aaron Sorkin movie. It's a both entertaining and thought-provoking and also possibly a masterclass in the subtle act of persuasion. Highly recommend. Oh, Martin Balsam. That's not how you spell recommend. Martin Balsam, I know what he looks like. Yes. As an older man. Yes. Yes. There's a few of this that uh, you'll see as an older man. This one's Ed Begley. Yeah, he looks like Gary Marshall. He looks like Ed Begley Jr. Looks like Gary Marshall to me sometimes. Or you look thinking about E.G. Marshall. Looks like Gary Marshall. No, E.G. Marshall doesn't look like Gary Marshall. Ernst Gary Marshall. Jack Warden, who's juror number seven, you would have seen in older stuff as well, I reckon. Oh, looking, the 12 Angry Men, juror number 12, the ad man in the 12 Angry Men 1997 version is played by Gil Grissom. Oh, well, that's a conflict. Yeah, that's a conflict. (laughs) He's only there as research... To be the head of the CSI. Yes. Okay. That's trivia. reviews. Let's do some Let's trivia. Let's do some trivia. Do we want to do an IMDb known for? Yeah. Yeah. But what if we do it from um, 1997 version? Oh. So I have a chance. Okay. Okay. Let's do this then. The known fours of Henry Fonda. Yes. Okay. And then we'll do the known force of Jack Lemon. Okay. Okay. Actually, I don't know any other film Henry Fonda's in. Right. So you win this one. Um, that I'm going to go. I can really only think of three. Okay. Well, I'm just going to give you a score for Henry Fonda and then we'll give me a score for Jack Lemon and we'll see how we went. Oh, I know those four movies, but I don't know him. I don't know enough about Henry Fonda. Grapes That's my of Wrath? Issue. Have you done your four? Yeah. Okay, Grapes of Wrath is in the three spot. Oh, damn it. So one point for that. On Golden Pond is in the two spot. So two Good. points for that. 12 Angry Men is in the one spot. Ooh. So and one then point my for that. fourth one is I know he's in a Western movie, but I can't think of what it's called. Uh, it's not The Wrong Man. No. The wrong man, he plays a double bass player. In 1953, an innocent man named Christopher Emmanuel Manny Ballestrero is arrested after being mistaken for an armed robber. 
Jack Lemon, okay. who we've done before. I was going to say I reckon we've done, but him I can't before. remember it. No, I'm just doing Jack Lemon. Oh, okay. I don't know Henry Fonda. Right. Well, I'm just going to so, play along. Yeah, but then look it up for me. Yeah. Um. And then that one. And then that one. And then. Uh, what else has he been in? Um, I'm trying to, I can think of others, but I don't want to put that in his top four. Yeah. I want to vary it up a little bit. Okay. Ready? Uh, yeah. Or do you want me to just do it? That's all right. I got it. Some like it hot. Um, is number three. Okay. Grumpy old men. Is number four. JFK is not in there. The odd couple is not in there. Okay, so you win. <laughs> we shouldn't do IMDb known fours for classic movies. The apartment. Oh, okay, yep. Glengarry Glen Ross. Yep. Some like it hot. I remember Glengarry Glen Glen Ross from the first time we played it. So I got three for Jack Lemon as well. Okay, so Brett wins. Are we keeping an overall score of the trivia wins? Nah. It's all right. Just I'll get a trophy at the end of the year. Why would Why would you get a trophy? No, I'm no, clearly going to win. Me, as the <laughs> host, will get you a trophy. We'll arrange a trophy. I will organise a trophy to give to you. Great. Chad S. Minquo? Yep. Are we ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. I've made the spreadsheet. I have cleared the old scores. Uh, you didn't cry. I did not cry. Can we put one for house because it's one tiny apartment? Well, usually isn't it trailer apartment house? But the apartment is yeah, tiny. Yeah, I'm going to go, we'll go with one. One. Yeah. And it's a tiny jury room that the whole yep. thing is in. And it's a tiny apartment that is in the slums and it's right next to a train track. They litter. I said I was going to say oh, this. Oh, yeah, they litter. In the Fern Galley episode, I said I was going to litter this. At the very start, he walks in and like wipes his brow with a tissue or something just... Throws it out the window. Oh, well, yeah. Anyway, that's... My that was a different time. was worth coming back for. It's zero for alcoholic <laughs> because they don't drink. Yep. Uh, Coke or Pepsi? Well, they don't drink Who either. Knows? Yeah. It's they only drink well water. It stands up. Uh, stand, oh, yeah, like five. Yeah. Or even, even though... No, I think it still stands up. It stands because, up. Yeah. Memorability. Uh, I'll go I've at never seen three it. and a half. I feel like I'm going to remember it. Okay. Three and a half. <laughs> Impact. A four. Because um, I don't think I've like really impacted then how movies were made. No. Three and a half. Nostalgia. Oh, I remember the 50s. Oh, I remember growing up watching Reasonable Doubt. Um, three. Three, yeah. Quotability. I say one of them all the time. Oh, I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I say I'm going to kill you all the time. Yeah. Um, I'd say a... I'd say a two and a half. I say it's possible. Yeah. A lot. I'd say two and a half because it's like not a movie that has, you know, a like iconic quote associated with it. I'm saying two. Okay. I'm saying one and a half because I don't think it's, if we're saying quote, a bit of the quotability is like you just quoted in everyday life. Yeah. There's not that. No, I guess not. Yeah. Overall rating. It's funny because, because the we've scores given are it so low. Shit, but then I'll give it a four and it's a half. It's not a huge impact, not a huge nostalgia. It's not quotable, but I'm giving it a 4.75. Yeah. <laughs> You're four and a half? Yeah, because I don't do the, the stupid decimals. Well, it's got to be able to translate into um, Roger Ebert. And I almost could give it a five. You can give it a five. But... There were a couple of things that I was just like, oh, that was weird. I didn't like that. Okay. Like some of the shots and um, 
Yeah. So 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. All right. So on the S Minquo, it's a 44.75 out of 60, which is pretty good. No, that's not right. It's a 43.75 out of 60 on the S Minquo. Isn't it out of 74? Oh, S Minquo, sorry. But all up, it only got one point from yeah. Chad. No, so, yeah. So it's 44.75 out of 75. Wow, that's low, but not our lowest. Well, we don't rate things for being good. Yeah, we rate them based on our own scoring method. Yes, we rate them based on the drinking yes. and the size of their house. Yeah. The court, whole court building, we could give it extra points because the whole court building is very big. <laughs> but they don't, like, live there. That is <laughs> we, the point of it. It's want, not a house. If we want to... Well, it's all set there. If we want to dodge the figures. Yeah. <laughs> no, we don't want to dodge all the right. figures. 44.75. Um, I'm going... I'm, the cocktail is good with lemonade. Yeah, it needs that lemonade. But not straight as. But that's not the movie's fault because this actually doesn't have anything to do with the movie. That's true. Okay. That's correct. Short movie, short episode. Use the extra 10 minutes to listen to another movie podcast that's also good. Okay. Good. Okay? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of Two Drink Cinema. If you want early access to our preview episodes uh, and the option to contribute to the review episodes, then go to patreon.com forward slash two drink cinema. You'll also get a bonus episode every month of one of our favorite movies and the chance to get merch. Uh, and later down the track, when we have events, you'll get exclusive invitations to those events. So patreon.com forward slash two drink cinema is where to go to give us a bit of support. If you don't want to or can't do that, then uh, share with your friends as well as subscribe and rate and review on the apps if it allows it. Thank you for listening. Thank you, brother. Thanks, Lee. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of Two Drink Cinema. Make sure you've subscribed so you don't miss any future episodes. Please share with a friend and leave a rating and review. It goes a long way to help us reach a bigger audience. This show is produced by Odd Socks Entertainment. For more of Odd Socks Entertainment's work, including the show notes for this episode, follow the link in this episode description. Follow us on all your social platforms and join our Facebook group to connect with us. Thanks for listening. Happy watching and drink responsibly. Jeez. Let's have a chat. An open, honest chat. Join best mates Lee and Jeff as they strip back everything, literally and figuratively, to have an open conversation about life. No pants, no problems. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite platform so you don't miss an episode. Join the conversation by following us on Facebook and Twitter at NoPantsPod.